Good morning and welcome to Tobin Talks. I'm your host, Tino Hove, and I am here with Brett Carter. He's the founder of GoodEye Technologies. Um, it is an AI company uh, based here in Winnipeg. Hey, Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tino? I'm doing okay. Brett, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and about GoodEye? For sure. So in 2019, I graduated from the University of Manitoba with a degree in philosophy. Nice. Um, and as you know, anybody with a degree in the humanities or even in arts uh, could, you know, attest to. There's not very many opportunities out there that directly link to that, mm -hmm. um, and that's not necessarily indicative of the fact that this, you know, that you don't come away with anything useful from a program like this. Uh, it's more a matter of the industry not having adapted to, um, you know, maximize the types of skills that you end up walking away with from yeah. these types of programs. Well, and with sort of everything that's been going on in terms of automation and some of the changes that we've all been forced to make um, in various aspects of our lives because of COVID, um, it's, it's sort of pushing this shift um, towards mm -hmm. the future of work and different ways of doing everything. Um, so the company that I started, uh, GoodEye Technologies, we are a, an industrial automation company that uses AI and computer vision to do things uh, more efficiently, um, eliminate some of the, the biases that are inherent with uh, you know, subjective judgment-based roles, um, such as security, which is um, our main focus right now, developing an autonomous security guard. Um, which is a system that essentially monitors itself using AI and these technologies. Um, so it's it's very uh, very interesting, exciting situation. And yeah, what are what are some of your thoughts on this, Tino? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, I wanted to, to double back a little bit before we, we jump into the AI aspect of things. So you graduated with a degree in the humanities and philosophy, and uh, you made a very interesting statement, which was the industry has not adapted in a way that fully utilizes the skills that you walk away from, right? Yeah. Um, and that kind of pushed you into this entrepreneurship role. Um, I think the inter an interesting fact is um, that, that just came out is that actually 27% um, of, you know, of stu only 27% of students um, actually end up grad working in the field that they graduated in. That's a very interesting statistic. It right. doesn't very much surprise me, but right. yeah, right. So, so that's that's interesting to hear that you know you you are you're technically part of the statistic, right? A philosophy student <laughs> in 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 AI, right? Yeah, that's 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 interesting to, to talk about. Do you what was that? What did you mean by that when you when you were speaking about the industry not adapting to the skills we're learning in university? So, like you say that you don't. It's not that you you walk away with nothing useful. Rather, it was the industry. Yeah. Right. So can you explain that link quickly? Well, the most difficult thing to explain is when your, your friends and family ask you sort of what your plans are after graduation when they know that you're in a program like this. Uh -huh. And other than, you know, some confused looks and ambitious statements about the future, there's not a whole lot uh, somebody in that position could, you know, can say in the first place. Because mm -hmm. um, it's quite evident that, you know, on the job market, um, especially with a lot of the opportunities that have come into into Winnipeg in our local job market in recent mm -hmm. time, um, there's a lot of skills that are peop that people are coming out of school with that you know don't directly fit into the the cookie cutter nature of most organizations well, from sales to technical aspects yeah. to manufacturing production etc. Well, I guess the question um, then would be 
Is it even worth it to go to school then? Yeah, and I, I think that answer is going to be a little bit different for everybody. Because um, it's always, it, it, it's never quite made sense to me to go to school with the expectation that you're going to come out of it with a job. Hmm. That's not realistic in the, you know, the current state of our world. Um, and, you know, all of the changes that we've been forced to deal with just because of COVID um, really solidifies that. So, so I think in terms of, you know, what a useful education <laughs> is, uh -huh. um, I think a lot of that is going to be more productively founded just from trial and error, like finding something that you want to do yeah. um, and then trying to do it as best you can because um, you're not going to get spoon-fed anything at the end of the day. And I think that's sort of the situation that I found myself in where it's, you know, uh, you're not going to be able to do anything relevant to, you know, what you want to do and sort of what you thought you were going to end up doing mm -hmm. while you're, uh, you know, a bushy-tailed university <laughs> student with the rest of the world in front of them. Um, well, well, actually, speaking on that, you know, finding your space in the world, in the world that's been presented to us. So you are actually part of this new world of automation, right? So there's, there's this thing, you know, computers are taking our jobs, yeah. you know, and, and AI is actually taking a lot of like entry level positions that students would usually come into, right? Yeah, for um, sure. And you actually having have been in a position, like you said, where you're like out of university, like how does that affect you, right? Do you, do you feel morally conflicted about going into artificial intelligence and kind of maybe contributing to that? Well, when, when you're a, a trained philosopher, you have nothing but moral uh, <laughs> conundrums to, to deal with. Um, uh -huh. there's, there's moral implications to anything. And with automation, it's, it's not even, it's not even really the question to ask, like, is automation going to take over or is it good? Because if you look at it from a business perspective, if you're able to automate a manual task, a task that's currently done just with a, mm -hmm. you know, a person that's mechanical in nature, mm -hmm. that is repeatable, very systematic, mm -hmm. if there's a way to automate that, it saves so much time and money mm -hmm. for, for the company that's actually doing this or the organization that's uh, mm -hmm. making this change. That mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't even make sense to do it manually anymore. And I think mm -hmm. we all need to just, you know, step one <laughs> is agree that automation is going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. And in order for us to benefit from it mm -hmm. uh, and, and sort of encounter all of these different changes to our lives from, you know, how we do things at work to how we buy things mm -hmm. um, and sort of just the whole experience of being a person in, in today's society, uh -huh. getting digitized so much, um, it's it's an adaptation that everybody sort of needs to be on the same page about and make, you know, strong ethical decisions um, in order to know what to implement so that we all end up benefiting from this in the end. Well, I guess I guess the the key here is so you mentioned you know introducing it to aspects that would typically you know be subject to human bias, right? So, right. Item, yeah, so you mentioned security, right? Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of, kind of the field that GoodEye is kind of looking at right now. Yeah, um, security is our primary focus. And to, to add a little bit more context to that, so, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard of, you know, wanting to defund the police and mm -hmm. this whole situation. And sort of that, that kind of... Uh, became part of the conversation months after we 
had started going down this path of you know building the autonomous security card, mm-hmm. um, which we'll be launching mm-hmm. in uh, in the next month or so. We um, are really excited about what that's going to bring forward. But um, yeah, so if we're going to defund the police and we're going to take steps to remove uh, biases from you know investigations, mm-hmm. from you know just the split second decisions that. Mm-hmm. have the potential to uh, you know alter the course of mm. many many people's lives mm-hmm. um, automated uh, if you know critical event monitoring and uh, being able to leverage cameras and sort of remove the the human bias aspect from these critical decisions uh, is really the only straightforward way that we could go about doing something like defunding the police and kind of making mm-hmm. sure everybody's happy because um, well, public safety is obviously the, the biggest priority one yeah. way or the other it's just a matter of uh, getting everybody uh, <laughs> on the same page yeah and just understanding you know how this can be used as a solution in ways that yeah know, just with it, with what we're familiar with today um, it's, it's not too easy to, to grasp and immediately jump at that solution well I, I guess the question that then comes to mind though is that you know if we're saying well we're automating these tasks that are being done by human beings well what 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 what's we're cutting down the job market for other people right and and what are your thoughts on that part of it right like an already slim job market being cut even more mm-hmm. right you know lowering opportunities for other for for you know, recent grads or you know people who may not you know have gone down that uh, university path, right? So, what what's what's the solution there, or where do you see that going, right? At least for people entering the workforce. So I think it's very easy to interpret this shift um, towards automation and towards more you know uh, AI involvement in our day to day lives. I think it's easy to see that as completely upending you know. The opportunities that one could expect, mm-hmm. um, and you know, are possibly aspiring to achieve one day. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that there's going to be fewer opportunities. It's just that it's still early enough in the game that we don't have a full understanding of what exactly these changes are going to look like. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's uh, it's our responsibility at GoodEye to make sure that we're adapting to what the future of work is going to look like in this sense in terms of, you know, you don't need 12 managers uh, <laughs> above a person in any company to, mm-hmm. to, you know, be able to make these simple decisions. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, 13 meetings before <laughs> the meeting that we're going to make a decision about something yeah. is like, it's not even on the table anymore because we have to mm-hmm. do things remotely so that we're, you know, making sure we're keeping ourselves and the, the yeah. loved ones of our staff safe mm-hmm. um, so it's it's interesting for us because we're starting up right in the middle of COVID so mm-hmm. it's not that we're a company that had to adapt you know and change the what we were already doing mm-hmm. it's like well, this is when we're starting in the first place so we need to make sure that we're uh, we're laying a foundation that's conducive to the future looking this way and mm-hmm. I think uh, trying to uh, use the, the skill sets that are often overlooked, uh, especially in humanities, and more, I don't know, thought-oriented as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, scientific process-laden uh, you know, uh, disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, as AI progresses, 
and it becomes more powerful and more uh, involved in our day-to-day lives, it's also going to become simpler to use in that respect too. It's not even going to be something that we'll notice taking over in large ways. It'll be kind of like a small, you know, incrementally where if you look, you know, at before and after all of this started happening in the first place, it'll be a huge difference. But day to day, it's not like the whole world is going to completely change and everybody's going to be doing everything differently any more so than that uh, COVID-19 is forcing people to anyway. Um, So adapting to you know, focusing more on the ethical ramifications of how this technology could be used um, as opposed to, you know, spending all of that extra energy and, and time and money um, into the, the engineering of it. So if it's, if it's not engineered to uh, be conducive to ethical ends, um, it, it shouldn't be something that we're producing in the first place because it does have Artificial intelligence does have that uh, possibility to become more powerful than anybody can uh, really fathom, uh, mm-hmm. aside from you know going through potentially <laughs> millions and millions of lines of code. Yeah. Uh, but you have to understand that to be able to do it in the first place. Well, um, since we're on the topic of ethics, right? So we're saying that you know we're introducing AI to remove bias and you know make everybody safer, but doesn't AI therefore, you know, violate other ethics like, you know, privacy, right? Or, you know, just how far how far does it go before we've created a new problem trying to solve the first problem? So that that's usually what happens when we solve problems is that you're facing new ones. And in terms of trying to eliminate bias from algorithms, you're the first step in doing that is to make sure that you're, the data that you're using to train these systems with is as bias-free as possible and the, the methods in which it was collected, produced, and analyzed mm-hmm. um, is also done as objectively as possible. But it, to some extent, subjectivity is you know, a prominent difference between you know, a machine thinking and a person thinking because you can, mm-hmm. you can train a machine to think in some ways that are similar to how a person would, you know, mm-hmm. think and behave, but uh, the more normative aspects um, that come down to one's subjective opinion about a situation where, you know, for example, having a, a security camera that just, you know, there's a, a person of color in a dark mm-hmm. hoodie at nighttime <laughs> walking through a parking lot, uh-huh. and you have one situation where you're monitoring that with a person, like there's a, a you know, security guard that's watching these cameras versus having an AI uh, do yeah. the function of a security guard with these algorithms and, mm-hmm. and machine learning processes and stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it removes that, uh, you know, that feeling a, a person might get where, you know, maybe even unconsciously they'll think that this person is more suspicious because of how they look or the color mm-hmm. of their skin or some other, you know, irrelevant feature like mm-hmm. that versus an AI that's only going to be focusing on behavioral patterns that are going to be indicative of mm-hmm. the things that you're trying to prevent in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, a security guard might have an unconscious reaction where if you break down their decision-making processes, they're reacting because, you know, they, they don't want this person to be black in my parking lot <laughs> versus an AI that's, like, more, uh, more objective in that sense mm-hmm. that those criteria wouldn't even weigh into the decision-making because it's not 
put into it in the first place. Okay. Um, well, okay. That so so that that being said, right? What is expected of a world where AI is functioning, right? Like, what's 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 coming? What's coming to the world? So we're already going through a lot of this on a large extent, just from you know. This time last year, everybody was you know, in, in school, in their courses, going to work. Everything was back to normal, back in the good old days. <laughs> and then, you know, seemingly overnight, we were all just forced to make these huge changes to the way that we do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of people expected uh, would happen if, you know, the robots took over or whatever, <laughs> so to speak, uh-huh. uh, we're undergoing a lot of those changes just because of COVID. And I don't think, you know, it, may, it might be too early to, uh, to say whether or not these changes are going to be, uh, you know, almost forever lasting. The whole working remotely, uh, doing all of your classes remotely, and just mm-hmm. uh, almost being secluded from the rest <laughs> of the world in a large extent. But uh-huh. um, so- it's, it's certainly possible that it's going to stay this way for for quite some time so so yeah the final thoughts here so what do you think students should do to prepare for this change so as students are graduating and trying to figure out what their next steps are after school uh, when nobody expected to be going through this situation right now I'm sure a lot of people uh, their graduation dates have been delayed there's Mm -hmm. you know co-op placements that have been put on hold nursing students, for education students, law students, and articling positions Mm -hmm. are no doubt up up in the air right now in a lot of ways, but for the majority of students that are in a more open-ended discipline, Mm -hmm. um, where what they do after graduation is more up to them, I think all they really can do is to understand and appreciate that this is it's going to keep increasing going forward in terms of automation and changing the types of roles that are out there. And the, the, the bad part is that it's going to be very difficult to know what those new uh, opportunities are going to look like in 10 or, or 20 years down the road. But I think it's safe to assume that creative disciplines and roles and opportunities that require much more considered thought as opposed to, you know, a, a repeatable mechanical function that we could fairly easily automate. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be the the result isn't that there's going to be a bunch of less jobs uh, than what there is right now, what there was, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. It's just going to be a different kind of uh, work. Mm-hmm model and job market is going to be uh, very different as a result of it so thinking thinking towards the future and understanding that an opportunity that might sound crazy today in terms of there not being a direct way to put it I think the the people that did choose to go into those you know uh, more open-ended disciplines I think those are going to be the people with the biggest advantage uh, in the job market in the future. Cool. Makes sense. Thanks so much for coming on board, Rich. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Tina. Awesome. And that's it for this episode of Tobin Talks. <laughs>